has been just on my heart. And uh, so to be made in the image of God uh, is an amazing thing. That we are like God in a number of ways. And every person that exists, whether they know God and acknowledge God or whether they uh, don't know God, even those that say, I don't even believe there is a God, have been made in, in his image. And they're exercising uh, one, of the, one of the characteristics of being made in his image is, is to have free will to choose. And um, there is something about uh, us being, giving our lives to the Lord and uh, to allow his will to be accomplished in us as we surrender to him, as we submit to him. It says in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our, our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. And I, I, exp I expanded on this aspect of the fact that God is a is triune, three distinct, separate beings working together in unity, each with different purpose and function, yet together in unity. And uh, we call this the Trinity. We don't, we, we, you won't find the word Trinity in, in the Bible, but uh, you will find again and again, just like we do in this, this very first chapter uh, in Genesis, uh, where God is saying, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. And it says, so God created in the next verse, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, Adam. And then male and female, he created them. So first Adam uh, was formed by the hand of God in his own image. Life was breathed into him. Spirit of God came into him. And there was life. And uh, even as... Adam had dominion over all the animals and, and creatures and was naming the different things. Uh, he saw the male and female that, that were together, and uh, he was alone. And uh, there was an acknowledgement of this to God, God recognizing this, and says he made male and female, he created them in his image. In his image, praise God. So there are traits that we have and that need to be expanded upon um, in who we are. Not just the aspect of free will, but other aspects of who God is. And um, it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And these things, uh, the things that God has made is that we, that we would be, uh, the, the, the traits and characteristics of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be evident in our lives. And uh, one of those being 
the, that free will to say, Lord God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. With all that I am, I'm going to serve you. Today, I want to focus in uh, on one aspect that uh, I had mentioned last week. I mentioned five different things, one of them being free, free will, but um, others being the fact that we, that uh, just as God has amazing uh, creative aspects, he has created us to be creative. And uh, even as we were intricately designed, uh, there's a thing of, of the design of God f for our lives being fulfilled in us. The designs that he has for us uh, the the purposes that he has for us being accomplished in our life. And uh, the fact that we have life physically and spiritually uh, is, a, is an aspect of the character and nature of God is life, especially the aspect of being a spiritual being, eternal. And uh, that being uh, another trait is the fact that we are eternal beings we have been made to live forever and especially to to live forever with him so these different traits uh and there are many others that we could talk about but this these are uh some of the points that i want to touch on over the course of the next few weeks and tonight i want to focus in on re the relationship that we were made in as an image for relationship and uh, just before I get into that, the other thing that I had um, focused in on was some of the names of God, and one of them being Elohim, which uh, alludes to the pl uh, plurality of, of who God is. So uh, this word, uh, when God said, let us, the word God there in Genesis one twenty six has to do, or is the uh, Hebrew Elohim which is plural. And uh, I like uh, what it says in 1 John 5, verse 7. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. A beautiful uh, verse uh, indicating the Trinity or the uh, triune God, the Father, the Word, or Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And uh, verse 8 talks about there are three that bear witness on earth, the Holy Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are one. So if we desire, a witness is someone that is observing and is there. If we want God in our presence, if we want God to be near us a witness is near it sees what's going on that there would be an acknowledgement of the holy spirit that that comes through the humanity of jesus christ that's represented in the water a few verses before that talks about jesus coming in water and by blood the fact that he uh was very much real he was not just physically here on this planet 2,000 years ago, but also he was alive, and the blood refers to his going to the cross. And it's, uh, this is where the 
the witness of the Spirit comes to us as we grab hold of the, the reality of Jesus Christ coming 2,000 years ago, being born, uh, and, and then for the purpose of dying. So this, the word or the name Elohim has to do with a plural God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the second uh, name that uh, is so prevalent, especially in the New Testament, Testament is, is the name of Jesus. And uh, does anybody remember what Jesus, what Jesus means? What his name means? Anybody? Jehovah will save or Jehovah is salvation. So Jehovah will save or Jehovah is salvation is what Jesus means. And uh, even as the angel of the Lord came to Joseph by a dream, uh, he, he had said, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, which alludes to the fact that there is a father. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so salvation from sin is only through Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord. Uh, Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah or Yahweh, the existing one, the eternal one, is who Jesus is. So Jesus didn't begin when he came to this earth, Jesus always just existed from before time began. So it ties in with the fact of Jehovah or the existing one, the self-existing or eternal one. Also, uh, that his name, uh, tying in with free will, that his name would be above all in our life. And uh, he went to a cross 2,000 years ago says he, he humbled himself, even as he was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this, that this would be who we are before the Lord. We bow our knee and we confess with our tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is above all names. So this aspect of relationship is, is interesting. In fact, when it comes to God's relationship with us, one of his names is... And I don't know if I'm, a, I know I'm probably not pronouncing it right in the Hebrew, but is uh, Kana or Kwana El. Kwana El. And this name, uh, this Kwana is referring only to God. It doesn't refer to man. It refers only to God. So listen to what it is. And this is uh, found in Exodus 34, verses 14 to 17. And you see the, the desire of God for his creation to have relationship with him alone. 
There would be nothing before or above the Lord in our lives. But Jesus, that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit would be first and foremost in our life. So we will see what this Juana L means. Tell me if you know what it is. I'm just going to read this one verse. Tell me what it is. For you shall worship no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Jealous God. Jealous, Juana, L, God. Jealous God. And this is used only in reference to God. And that thing of jealous is, is well, let me continue reading the next verse. It says, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. The relationship that the relationship that we would have as the creation of God, and in this case, he was talking in Exodus, he is talking about the children of Israel, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And from the time of Abraham, within four or five hundred years, there was probably around two to three million that had come just from Abraham and, and Sarah. Can you imagine two to three million offspring over the course of 500 years, 450 to 500 years? That is a lot of children. And the Lord is saying, I don't want you to have relationship with other gods. And we're not, we're not talking gods as in a God that, that is even on the level of, of God Almighty. We're just talking about even idols. To worship idols, to put something in front of God. You say, well, we, do, we don't do that. But as we would examine ourselves as children of God, that we would recognize the fact that where your, your treasure is, your heart will be also. What you treasure, what you value above everything, what is it that you might value above God? And that is where our heart is then. So maybe it's to, to well, what, what kinds of things can we, we look at to maybe evaluate where our heart is at? What kinds of uh, indicators might we use to check our own heart? Anybody? To check. Sorry? All right. So, to how, how we treat others? Okay. Someone else? Okay, so... So going back to the family thing, if we put family above God, if we put 
the love of money above God. We're not even talking money. We're talking about the love of money. Ah. So we, Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. So these are two indicators. These are, or these are two things that we might put before God. Anything else? Sorry, yeah. Okay, so the things that we, the, the things that we might do in our recreational time. So we look at ourselves or we look at our time that we have that might be beyond, you know, our sleep time or our uh, work time. And so we have time left after we, we may eat. And so there is a, a section of time, I don't know, depending on how much you work and how much you sleep. Let's say there's eight hours left, eight hours of sleep. Eight hours, eight hours of work, another eight hours left. What do we do with the free time that we have? Some of us have more time. And so we might ask ourselves, what comes before the Lord? Because God is a jealous God. How much time do we spend when it comes to the things of the Lord? Now, we're going we're gonna to get into something about relationship that... The Lord isn't saying necessarily, hey, I want you to spend the, that all the free time that you have, I want it to be with me. We're going to see that that's not necessarily the case. God is not saying that. When, tell me, uh, when God first created Adam and Eve, was God directly with them for the whole 24 hours uh, of, of from one day to the next? Was he with directly with them? Uh, according to what we read in Scripture, just in the first few chapters. So he came and, and in the cool of the day, maybe when, when the things were, there was, things were done, the things of, tending or, or, hey, Eve, come on. There's so many different animals that we haven't spotted. You know that, that, uh, that stream with, uh, with this lake uh, portion to it? All those fish. Can you, let's go name some fish. Uh, or, hey, there's, we haven't seen that one tree that is bearing different fruit. Let's go and enjoy the fruit. And while we're at it, let's, let's give it names. Can you imagine not knowing what something is, knowing that there is nothing of poison and being able to eat fruit? And probably uh, as, as they were picking fruit, it's like, oh, man, this is really, this is really good. I think we're going to call this, let's call these things cherries. Let's call these things pears. Let's call, let's call this fruit here that there's a whole cluster of them. Let's call them grapes. And so, but in the cool of the, of, the, of the day, who knows? Maybe during that time, Adam and Eve decided, you know what? We should have, take these and let God taste some of these. 
let God try some of these things. So who knows? Maybe they brought some of their favorite fruit they had had that day and tasted for the first time and said, God, I believe that it was not just God the Father and God the Son, or it would be also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit coming in the cool of the day. And there was relationship. Because God is a jealous God. Kana El. Kana El. Jealous God. And we're not talking about jealousy in a, in a bad sense at all. It's more th this, this idea of, I just want you to enjoy me. I want to enjoy you. Not that you're distracted by other gods or things that you would make or put before me. Because we can put things before God. In Exodus 20, verse 4, it says, You shall not make for yourself even a carved image. We're not even talking something that, that's alive. We're talking about something that is carved. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous, jealous, quana, God, L, quana, L, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, well, nothing to do with me, and it's passed on to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercies to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. I, think, I believe that sometimes the iniquity, as it says here, is visited upon the fathers, upon the children, to the third and fourth generations of those that hate me. This tendency to say, you know what? I want something else. Ah, God, God, what's the, what's the big deal? And so here, God is, is saying, yeah, put me first. Seek me. Desire to be with me because I'm a God of relationship. I look forward to spending time with you. So maybe in the stillness of your day, in the cool of your day, you're just relaxing. See, God's not saying, hey, you, you got to, your, your mind has to be focused on me 24-7. You can't do anything else. We need to sleep. We need to eat. We have other things to do, and we'll see that in, very shortly when it comes to relationship. But that we would take time in our day specifically to spend time with the Lord. And, and that there's... There'd be nothing else. And I know sometimes we, ha we may have devotions or we may have, we, we talk about the, the, the things of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord with others. What a beautiful thing that we can do. The goodness of the Lord. But even when we are on our own, even to be just still. That I'm not saying anything, but I'm waiting for God to speak to me. As a pastor, it's almost like 
I thank God this was from very early on, to wait on the Lord for him to bring a message, for him to speak to me, to, to, to speak things to you, to wait on the Lord. Because the Lord, when we wait on him, he will begin to speak into our being. As we wait on him. We, we tend to say, well, okay, as soon as I'm finished talking, the, uh, the relationship, the time together is over. I've, I've finished talking, so now time is done. So we, we move away. And the Lord says, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want, I want to speak into your life. I am Kana, Kwana El, a jealous God. I want to show mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Uh, so I'm talking about here, I've described this as a vertical, in the past, vertical ministry, but vertical relationship, as in between us and God. The world doesn't understand the fact that we can have relationship with God. We need to let them know. It's called, you know, sharing the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, that we can have our sins forgiven so that we're not separated from God, but that we can have a relationship with God. And so there's this vertical element of relationship. And then there's this thing of horizontal relationship. I, I read from Matthew 22 to, to begin the, uh, the service, or as we began the service. Let me read again. Because it gives a picture of vertical and horizontal relationship. It says, so they were asking the, uh, Jesus, Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This thing of vertical relationship. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Luke Luke's, Luke's reference to this says, not only with all your, your heart, your soul, and with all your mind, but with all your might, with all your strength, with all your being. You should love the Lord. So this thing of vertical relationship. And then we have the horizontal relationship. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the question would be, Who's my neighbor? And that question was asked of the Lord. It says, on these two commandments, to love the Lord and to love your neighbor as yourself, hang all the law and the prophets. And so this trait of God for relationship, God desires us to have relationship with him and to take time for him and also to take time for others, our neighbors. In Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He's tying this in to love others as herself. Who is my neighbor? 
Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Do it and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself, this, this lawyer, said to Jesus, so who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, who Levite was also a, a temple worker or servant besides the priest. When he arrived at the, the place, so these two individuals were ministering in the house in the temple of the Lord. It says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the, at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he came where he was, where this man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he had departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor, was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? None of the three knew this person that was lying on the side of the road. Neither of the three knew this man. And the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were half Jew and half other uh, nationality. Were despised by the Jew. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. That's what the man said. He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So those that would, would need interaction, especially those that would need mercy. And he's saying, I want you to go and do likewise. So this thing of horizontal, horizontal, relationship the people that are around us the people that are in need I recognize I, I I struggle I don't have issue helping people with need that have need I struggle when there's manipulation I struggle with that I, I struggle with with entitlement as in you owe me something I, I have a hard time with that. We would say, Lord, how do, how, do I, how do I deal with these individuals? Oh, that I would show mercy. Let me show mercy on them. In John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, that you're followers of mine, if you have love for one another. Listen, 
the horizontal relationships that we have, guess what? It takes time. It takes effort and, and expenditure of effort. It takes sacrifice. There is something about maintaining relationship that takes, it takes time. By this all will know that you are my disciples, that you are followers of mine if you have love for one another. Say, Lord, man, I struggle. I struggle with this. The amazing thing is that the Lord is there to help us when it comes to relationship with others. There's uh, three aspects, especially, to, to the Holy Spirit in our life. The relationship of the Holy Spirit in our life, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and especially the Holy Spirit. Part of our relationship with the Holy Spirit it begins the moment that we are born of God. And I'll talk about that just in a, a few moments. When we are born of God, our body becomes what? Sorry? The temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment that we give our life to Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to come in our life is the moment that our body, our, this physical body, becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And one of the very first things that happens when we are, are born of God is the fact that we begin, there's a work of change that begins within us. And if you want that work to go very quickly, totally surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord in your life to listen to what he would have you do. If you yield yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is free to begin to do a work in you. And I've seen Christians or people get saved over the years, and I've seen people change so quickly within a short period of time. They're just totally, Lord, man, I'm going to serve you. I'm giving my life to you. And I've seen other people, they are in the same place that they've been for when they first came to the Lord, and they're just going around in circles. Like there's no change in them. Just like the same old, same old. Why? Because Jesus isn't Lord in their life. They're in charge. They're going to do their own thing according to their own will. And so one of these things of the Holy Spirit helping does not take place, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, verse 22, the Lord wants to help us by His Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and tell me how many of these, there's nine things mentioned. So as I say them, tell me how many of those nine things will help you out in relating with others horizontally. Okay, ready? Let me count them, or let me say them, and you count, and we'll see what number you get. All right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, or another word is patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control, there's nine, against such there is no law. Okay, so uh, put up your hand if you, if of these nine that you had more than uh, five, put up your hand if you counted more than five that would impact others. Put up your hand. Okay, put your hand down. So let me just ask another question because I, I didn't, is there anybody that, that counted less than five out of the nine? Put up your hand if you counted less than five. Okay, nobody put up their hand. How many for six? Say at least six things. Okay, seven. Hands still up. Eight. Anybody for nine? All nine? You know what? All of these things have to do with how we're relating to others. How much we love them. How many of you enjoy being around a really, really, really sad person? <sighs> And you say, but, but don't, but pastor, that's where I'm at. I may be at, and, and we may be at at that point, but I'm talking about us impacting others. Let there be the joy of the Lord. Remember last week, was it uh, last, uh, this past Sunday? Yeah. We talked about repenting, reviving, and rejoicing. Those three things. To rejoice. And one of the passages I use is in Luke chapter 10. And, it's, and they were so excited. He'd sent out the 70. And they were ministering left and right. And they were ministering to horizontally to people that were even demon-influenced. Majorly. They came back and they, they, they said, Oh, Lord, even the, the demons obeyed us. And so he, the Lord was, yeah, he was excited about this too. But he says, don't rejoice that the, the demons are subject to you, that you have authority over them, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All of us, as children of God, if you are a child of God, you've been born of God, in the worst of times, can say, but my name is written in heaven. I will rejoice because my name is written in heaven because of who he is and what he's done in my life. Through the spirit is joy. Maybe part of that joy is recognizing, oh my goodness, I've been accepted by the Lord. I've been forgiven and I have a relationship with him and I'm going to spend eternity with him. doesn't matter what I may go through. My name is written in heaven and it can be not, not be taken except by my free will to say, God, I don't want to be with you. There is nothing that can take us from the hand of God but our free will to say, God, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. It would be foolish to do that. Joy. Peace. I have peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There is no law against self-control. Can you imagine having a law that says, you know what, just do whatever you want. Hey, sounds like some of those things are starting to happen in our society. Yeah, just go ahead, do whatever you want, as long as it's not against me, right? Just do whatever you want. Yeah, imagine if you're raising your kids that way. 
just do whatever you want. I'll tell you how long would it, it wouldn't take long before you were raising, you'd say they're little monsters. We need to do, we need to make some changes here. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Mm, interesting here. This is where you want to have your passions and your desires that interfere with your relations with others. If you want to have things taken care of in inter uh, interactions with others, let your flesh be crucified with Christ. In fact, if you read the verses that come before the fruit of the Spirit, you'll have a whole list of things that happen when you try to do things in your own strength and by your own flesh. And it's nasty stuff. And when you get to the point of practicing, not good. So here, this, this, the Holy Spirit is there to help us, even as our faith is in Christ and Him crucified, we're crucified with Him, that our flesh die daily. Take up the cross daily. Not just every once in a while, but daily take up the cross because daily the old man wants to come back to life and cause a lot of issue. The flesh wants to come alive. We need to crucify the flesh daily. If we live in the Spirit... If we're alive in the Spirit, if you're born of God and you're alive in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit every step of our day in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ where your faith is at in Christ and Him crucified. And now the Spirit helps us to have relationship with others. Thank you, Jesus. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Conceited means what? Stuck up, which me, which, sorry, proud, arrogant, conceited. You're full of yourself. You're full of yourself. I can do it. Don't tell me what to do because I can do everything. I can do anything, and uh, that's a conceited person. It says right here. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, because in the process, we men, do we start to provoke one another, envying one another. We're looking around. Ah, I want to be like, I, I need to be like that person or that person. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. We're talking uppercase S. We're talking the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to help us in our, in our horizontal relationship and ministry. Not just ministry, but relationships. Praise the Lord. So how do we establish relationship with God first, quickly? How do, we, how do we have relationship with God? Okay, so this thing of repentance, of acknowledging Jesus Christ, inviting Christ, his death, his bur death, burial, and resurrection, and of inviting Jesus into our life. And it says... He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, John 1, 11. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were, not born, of, who were born not of blood physically, nor of the will of the flesh between parents, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God, as we receive Christ into our lives. So Jesus come into my life. I, I want, it's about relationship. The church that didn't have Jesus, the Laodicean church, Jesus on the outside, 
knocking, wanting to get in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him, into him, and dine with him. We'll sup with him, have relationship, fellowship with him. Open up the door, receive Jesus into your life. It's an important part of have, allowing others to come to Christ is not just to confess I'm a sinner, not just to acknowledge Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, but inviting Jesus into your life for relationship's sake because God is quana, quana el, jealous, a jealous God. He wants relationship with his creation. Praise the Lord. So, recognizing that as we are born of God, you're born of God, I'm born of God. That means we have the same father. We are related. So we can have relationship between brothers and sisters in, in Christ. You are my brothers and sisters. I'm your brother, and we have relationship because we have the same father. We're in the family of God. We should have relationship. We'll talk about that just in, in, in a bit as well, a little bit more extensively. So our number one priority, uh, if we, if we want to have priorities, is our relationship with God and its maintenance. And the second, when it comes to that horizontal, so that's vertical, vertical uh, relationship with God. But and I, that, that needs to be a priority in our life. That needs to be number one priority is my relationship with Quana L. Quana L, the jealous God, because he wants, desires to have relationship with us. But the very next thing of when it comes to our priorities of relationship, our neighbor, who would you say is our closest neighbor that we could possibly have? It's not a trick question. Sorry? Family, people in the same household. And one of the things, this relationship that we have with family, uh, many of you, a number of you here tonight are married. A number of you are, the rest of you are single, widow. But this thing of relationship within family as a pastor, um, the relationship, and I thank God, and I've mentioned this before, I thank God that the Lord gives me balance in ministry that as, as much time as I might have within the church for others. For people one-on-one -on -one or even in a setting like this where there's a larger group setting, um, my family relationship comes first and, f and before that. My wife and my children come before, especially if they're in the same household. As you're saying, sister, the same household. So if they're under our roof, Julie and I, our roof, once they, as they become adults and they, they head out, there's, there's less of a responsibility 
especially in the spiritual end of things, because it says that the one of the requirements of a pastor is that he should take care of his family first. If he cannot take care of his family, he has no right to take care of the church. Now, if that's for the pastor, that is for you as well. So listen, uh, as much as you say, well, my, my family's not saved, for goodness sake, keep connecting or keep connected to your family that's not saved. They need what you have. So don't, don't fight relationship with children, even family members that are, are, you know, brothers or sisters biologically that are not saved. But to maintain relationship. Yes, they're heading in a different direction. You are, they have different things that you, you don't have. But that you would say, I, I need to remain connected. I need to be open to the Holy Spirit in my interactions with them. That, that I can lead them to Christ. I had a conversation this morning. You don't have to say so much. Yes, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But guess what? You know the phrase, a picture is worth. Can you imagine how much actions are worth? If a picture is worth a thousand words, just one quick glance, there's a thousand words spoken. How much more are actions? The actions that you, that you don't have to say anything and just to act. I care about you. I love you. I'm there for you. Can I help you? Can I pray for you? Can I, I want to encourage you right now. You know what? I believe there is a God that is able to get us through anything. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be praying for you. It's amazing how many people in the worst of times are okay with you praying for them. They'll allow you. Like very rarely say, no, I don't want any prayer. When they're in the worst of times, it's like, can I pray for you? Or just to let them know, I am praying for you. So they, don't, they may not want you to hear or to hear maybe the prayer, but to, to know, you know what, they're going to pray for me. So I, our family, the relationship with our family, that horizontal relationship, it needs to be uh, kept up and maintained. And I know sometimes it's hard, especially... If they're distant and they don't, they oftentimes just say, ah, I don't really like you being around. You know what? Maybe it's easier being in a group set, a group family thing than it is one-on-one. -on -one. Or maybe it's easier being one-on-one -on -one than it is in a group or the family group. Whatever you find that you can connect. I found that uh, when I was working and it had to do with interactions with with uh, staff as a teacher. Uh, I, I didn't go in the staff room very much. Every once in a while, I'd go in the staff room. But I did have very much interaction one-on-one -on -one with staff. Because then there was no distractions or whatever. And it was often, it was amazing how, how often, without me doing 
anything or forcing anything where the conversation turns turn towards the things of God, especially if there's a little bit of time. You just, hey, how, how are you doing? Very quickly, when you're one-on-one, -on -one, they'll probably open up to, man, Dave, you know what? I got things going on like, ah. And as you, you listen, it's amazing how very easily the Holy Spirit will be able to work through you. You're one-on-one -on -one and they have no distractions. When it comes to long-term relationships, the one-on-one -on -one is the best. And is you don't have to say anything as long as you are full of actions. Even a simple thing like listening attentive, attentively to know where they're at. Because there's so many people, they don't want to hear anybody else's problems. But for those that are not, don't know the Lord, when somebody is listening to them, tell about their problems. I, I was amazed. The other day, this last week, there was a situation that happened and uh, without getting into details, because who knows, that person might be listening online. <laughs> I don't know. But it went so quickly from just, hey, da-da-da-da-da, one minute, and okay, yeah, no problem. Yep, you're good. We'll see you later. Everything's good. To just taking a moment to listen and get into conversation. Next thing I know, the person is sharing their life story and what has impacted them for their entire life. And to be able to speak the bulk of what time that we had together, I was just listening. But to be able to speak just a few things into another person's life, it's amazing how, how quickly and easily that happens. So our family relationship between spouse, between father or mother, if you're at home as a child under their roof, uh, relationship. Um, parents or children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. One has to do with obedience. One has to do with attitude. Honor has to do with attitude. So you can obey your parents and ha dishonor your and disrespect up here, right? That is not a blessing for you. It says, if we do obey and honor our parents, this is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on this earth. Your fa and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Train them up in the ways of the Lord. Don't provoke your children to wrath if they're upset with you. Yeah, they can be upset if you have to correct. We talked about correction there. Yeah, that, that part of it, yes, absolutely, correct. Don't be afraid to correct. But that you would bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. They'll see who you are, that they would be like you in the ways of the Lord. So honoring has to do with your, your attitude towards others, especially your parents. If you need to get things right, get things right uh, with your parents, even as adults. And that was one of the things that this individual shared. That is, his father had held something against him for 
over 30 years and he was not in the wrong. The son was not in the wrong. And when, he, when there was a chance for everything to come in the open, the, the father did, was too proud to admit that he had judged his, his son wrongly. And he didn't admit, man, son, I'm so sorry. There was no reestablishing a relationship. This is the thing of provoking our children to wrath. To have a relationship. Um, relationship with God, relationship with our family. Thirdly, as believers, what's another very important relationship that we need to have? The horizontal relationship. There's one more specific. It sort of has to do with family. Sorry. Um, it has to do with family, different family. The body of Christ, the family of God. Fa uh, relationship with God. Relation this, is, this is the image of God. This is being more like Jesus, more like the Father, the Holy Spirit working in our life is our relationship with the body of Christ how, uh, how do we become part of the body of Christ? It says, for as the body is one and has many members, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, so there's only one body, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, by the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, or whether religious or intellectual, philosophers, whatever, whether slaves or free, have all been made to drink into one spirit, was taken in. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. There's many members in the body of Christ. And verse 27 says, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ. Which body? The body of Christ. Another passage talks about him being the head. Ephesians talks about him being the head. We are members within the body and members individually. He recognizes us individually within the body. Just like our body has individual members. I may have two hands, but I have a right hand and a left hand. Different members, same body. Amazing thing is, the body of Christ will never be overcome. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Another name for the body of Christ is the church, his church, and that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. If you overemphasize or ne neglect any one of these three priorities, you're going to have issue. You're going to have problems. If you, so the Father or the relationship with God, family, the body of Christ, one, two, three, don't overemphasize anyone. Don't neglect any one of those three things. And you will find as you keep them in balance, one, two, three, in that order, but not overemphasizing any one of them, you will find that you will have a lot less problems. You will. Having them in order. God took the first step in establishing relationship with us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love, Romans 5, 8, 
God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was the one that initiated relationship or to begin relationship with us by dying for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we are made right by his blood because of his shed blood, right in God's sight and his standing. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Through Jesus Christ. For if when we were enemies, we were, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we're reconciled through Jesus' death on the cross. And that's the only way we have reconciliation with God. Through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. By, even by his resurrection, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So we have, we have life ourselves. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation, relationship. We've been, we have relationship with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just one quick question. There's, issue, there's issues that you may have in relationship. So I, I'm going to just give a moment. Uh, if, if there's any questions about, well, what about this? Or what about that? You know, what does the, God, what does the word of God say? So uh, are there any questions about any issues you might have when it comes to relationship? Yeah. So the question is, uh, then, uh, should there be interaction between the different generations? That's what you're asking. Okay, so what do you guys, what would you say? Okay, so uh, there's things that we as, as an older, the next, the earlier generation may have to be able to offer to the younger generation. I have a whole whack of the younger generation sitting on this side. Are you, and I, what I've come to recognize is that you, uh, the next generation after our, our gen my generation, are, are very open to interact. Yes, you interact with each other, and I, I love to see the fact that there's an interaction with each other, but you're not afraid to interact with others. And if uh, of, of an old... the the generation that came before you, I would just say that uh, you get you need to, yeah, uh, who you are, uh, the the generation that came before you enjoys the interaction of the younger generation. So, and once again, I'm not saying that you guys don't interact, but uh, and I, I would say vice versa too, because a lot of times the older generation says, ah, or is not making any effort to interact with the younger generations. So we need, we, so they might be intimidated by us. 
So the younger generation is intimidated by us. There's nothing stopping us from saying, hey, hey, I just want you to know I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm praying for you or whatever it may be. Uh, how can I bless you? They probably say, yeah, you know what? I need a, a new car. <laughs> but uh, so you might watch about that question, but at the very least you can just say, hey, man. So I, I enjoy uh, interacting with, with the different generations. And uh, so you guys as young adults, pretty soon you'll, ah, oh, those, those teenagers, I don't know. <sighs> we don't deal with teenagers. But, so, uh, but just this thing of that we need to interact. And I've got somebody pointing vigorously at Monica. Monica, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. You, 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 don't, you hate to say that, eh? Don't want to say that. The older generation. So just so that for those that are online that are not hearing this, the, the, the statement that was made by someone from, I want to include you in my generation, is that right? Okay. They're saying that the younger generation is smarter than us. They're smarter. So we want, <laughs> we want to remind them that we're not, they're not wiser than us. So maybe smarter, maybe not wiser. I guess part of our, the, what you're saying is the, the thing of experience. We've been, we've been where you're at. Uh, maybe not exactly because things, some things have changed, but for the most part, they have stayed the same. And uh, so to... So just to, if you didn't hear it uh, up top, is it says in Joel 2, it talks about the, the old, man's, old men dreaming dreams or the, young, the older generation dreaming dreams, the younger generation having visions. But what a good mix that there would be a coming together of the dreams and the visions and that there would be a uniting. Listen, all I can say is, I want to I want to public publicly say I thank God cuz I was at a church just last week when we weren't here 90% of the people were older than me by far there was no young adults there was not a single I think there was almost 100 people there and there were no young adults except for I think 5 or 6 out of 100 and they were visiting happened to be visiting. And it, so it was like, yeah. 
there needs to be there needs to be this thing of of the the appreciation of each other uh, within the church. And I want I want to thank you. And I know I keep swinging this way because there's so many of you on this side that are younger. Uh, but I just I want to thank you for the relationship that we have in our church. It's a beautiful relationship. And for all, especially the younger generation, generation, for all that you do, because oftentimes it might be, you know what, well, we've got other things we can do. And you're saying, no, I'm, I choose to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night and that there would be, there's an interaction with, with the different generations. I just say, thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you do. And for you, my generation or those that e are even... There's lesser that are the generation before because I'm getting older. But I appreciate all of you that together we make up the body of Christ. Whatever age we are, we make up the body of Christ. The family of God, brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is no, God doesn't have grandchildren. We are all born of God. We are children of God. Whether we are seven years old or 70 years old, we are a child of God when we give our life to the Lord. And relationship. I want to I want to close with one last thing. One last name. And that is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. All right? The passage it's a beautiful passage. I'm going to end off with two verses or two references. Ezekiel 48, 35. And from chapters 40 to 48, all nine chapters, there is a mention of what is yet to come and the, the temple that will be built in Israel. And there's a section where the different tribes were going to be, there's, I think, seven tribes that are north of this holy city, and there's five that are to the south, and there's a strip all across where the prince has land on either side of this holy city. I believe the prince being uh, King David. And then there being this, this city... And it says, you can read all about its dimensions. In fact, I, I, this last week as I was going through the finishing off Ezekiel, I was looking at the different uh, uh, people that have made basically a model of what was described in the different chapters, chapters 40, 41, 42, and the different chapters describing different things. It's like, oh my goodness. Like this, this temple is going is going to be significant and at the very end the very last verse of the very last chapter regarding this millennial temple that will take place i believe if the lord came today the trumpet sounded today within or after seven years within that first year afterwards the temple would be be constructed exactly according to the dimensions that the lord gave ezekiel 2500 years ago Read it. Just amazing. And the very last chapter, the very last verse says, All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits. A cubit 
this is a royal cubit. Cubit is normally about from here to here is 18 inches. And then it says in this cubit, the royal cubit, there's another hand width, which brings it up to about 21 inches. So if you want to calculate 18,000 cubits, just times it by 21, divide it by 12, and you'll get feet, how many feet it is. And you know there's, what, 5,280 feet in a, in a mile? So you'll know how many miles wide or all the way, way around that it is. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Let me read another passage. And to me, it's just amazing. Literally, Christ will rule on this earth. The Lord Jesus will be there. And the name of the city shall be, the Lord is there, Jehovah Shema. Are you going to Jehovah Shema? I'm going to Jehovah Shema. The city where the Lord is. I'm going. We're going to go. We're gonna, we can go and be there. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, this is the disciple of Jesus, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You'll be in the presence of God for eternity. It's like, oh. Jehovah Shema. And we will be with the Lord forever. My prayer for us at this time, let us, that our relationship with God on this side of heaven will expand and grow and deepen and become more beautiful as we get to spend time with Him, our family members, in the natural, biologically, the family of God, that there would be relationship because we were made in his image to have relationship. So good that we interact with others, that we care about others, that we love one another. And one day we're going to be with God. And God will be with us. He'll wipe away every tear. No more tears. Jehovah Shema will be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight for this fact, this reality, that even a godless person, the most godless person, so often desires relationship. 
They want relationship, whatever it may be. Maybe if it's, if it's even a gang because they desire to belong. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be a desire to belong to you, to be your sons, your daughters. Lord, that we would have relationship with you. And, Lord, this relationship is established the moment that we acknowledge what separates us from you, which is sin that you took care of our sins even while we were yet sinners. The love of God was demonstrated as he gave, the Father gave his only son to die for us, that we could have life. Lord, we just thank you for this, and we receive you, even as we acknowledge your death and resurrection, we receive you, Jesus, into our life. The moment we do that, the Holy Spirit, we are, the Holy Spirit enters into us, into this temple of God, we become part of a body of Christ. Lord, to spend eternity with you, to have relationship with you, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray if that there's a turning away from relationship with you, Lord, that your love, your blessings, Lord, even your chastisement will bring a person back to where they need to be in relationship and fellowship with you. I pray a blessing on each and every one here. Lord, I pray especially for those that have walked away from you or those that are, have turned away from you for whatever reason it may be, Lord, that they would recognize your tremendous love for them, Lord, that they would return to you. Lord, help us. Let us be ministers of reconciliation. Lord, to, to minister the gospel, to minister Jesus to others so that they can have relationship with you, to have forgiveness of sins and to have relationship with you Lord, to be reconciled with you. Lord, that they would know the Lord Jesus loves me. And the Spirit of God dwells within me. I am part of the body of Christ. Lord, they will know this. I give you all the praise and the glory. I pray blessing on each and every one here tonight. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.